step up, take control of your business, and decide to be your very best as a leader right now. Hello, everybody. Mike Payton here with the Lead Now podcast. And today I'm really excited because I get to speak with Mary Nutting, CEO of Core Talent, a recruitment and retention consulting firm focused on helping successful, growing companies make quality hires quickly. Mary considers herself a cheerleader for her team and loves strategizing with her clients. Mary, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Peyton. You bet. First question for you, just take us back to the earliest days of your entrepreneurial journey. How did it begin? Well, I worked for a boutique talent management um, company that specialized in working with Fortune 500s. And I had come out of 18 years of corporate experience. And so even though we were working with very large clients, the company that I was in was very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a culture shock. You know, I wasn't used to making quick decisions on the fly. And I grew to love it. Um, I grew to love having a voice and actually became so invested in the organization that I would constantly, I'd be sitting in the CEO's office waiting for him to come in with my ideas. <laughs> and I did that for four years. I loved it. And at one, one day he called me into his office and he said, Mary, I think it's time that you go out on your own. You know, you want to do some pretty crazy things. Um, they're all great ideas, but it's time you can do this. Uh, so yeah. I did. I actually took his advice and um, it was pretty scary, but uh, I took the plunge and I had never any intention of doing that. He recognized that entrepreneurial spirit in me before uh, I did. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And so are you still running the company you started when you went out on your own? Yes and no. So I started on my own by myself, solopreneur. I remember, um, I think the first three months I cried because I was so used to being around people. I was traveling, being with clients and I would go from, you know, my bedroom to my office, to the couch, to the kitchen. To, and I just, I was like, I don't think I can do this, but I did it for four years. Um, and then I did merge with another uh, business owner and um, we created Core Talent together. All right. So tell us about Co- Core Talent. Exactly what does the company do and uh, anything else you want to share with us? Yeah. So we love in, um, to work with small to mid-sized growing companies. I think my years of corporate experience and then working with Fortune 500 gave me the tools um, and processes to be able to bring that kind of experience to smaller companies. And so we are just super passionate about helping them grow through their people. Um, You know, people is the most important asset of a business. And so it's so fun to be able to work with them directly in getting great hires that, you know, will stick for the long haul. Let's talk a little bit more about people being the most important asset of a business. How did you make that discovery and what do you notice uh, in the marketplace in terms of how hard it can be to deliver that message or get people to realize that? Well, I think it starts with um, some business owners seeing failure, right? They have great products and services and even a huge market potential 
but they're they're stuck someplace. They're either growing and not profitable, or they're growing and people are not happy. Um, there's always something wrong or broken when um, when they don't have the right people, especially at the top, you know, leading the charge. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it, it's sometimes it's hard for them, for business owners to identify that. Uh, but when you do a deep dive and really look at, you know, who in the company really gets the vision and who is executing on that and who is happy um, and you focus on that, it, it becomes very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you think of any specific examples, obviously, without revealing the identity of this person or tell a story about a company with a good product, a good service, good understanding of the marketplace, but the, you know, there were key people gaps that were never filled or there was dysfunction at the leadership team level and, and, and the, the owner wasn't able to realize a vision. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, unfortunately, I probably could give you a hundred examples, yeah. Yeah. but one that comes to mind is um, about a twenty million dollar uh, service solution business, and you know that the CEO was just feeling like she was banging her head against the wall, and um, you know it was communicating the vision, and it just it broke down at the leadership level, mm-hmm. and. I spent a few meetings with them to realize that there was just a lot of disconnects. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. she was saying the right things, but it wasn't understood. And so it, it broke down there. Yeah. And yeah. essentially we turned over the entire leadership team. What, what do you think a leader struggles with most in recognizing the need for change from a people standpoint? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's scary to think about making a change, especially if the if these people have been by this leader's side yeah. from the beginning. There's a lot of loyalty, you know, there's a lot of care and compassion. And um and I get that, but at the same time, oftentimes those leaders aren't happy either. You know, they they feel it. Um you know, they're they're not feeling like they're being successful and it doesn't do anybody good, especially the organization, to, to hold on to that. I see that in the session room all the time where when a member of the leadership team has been struggling for a while and the issue finally comes to the surface and we get to work through that, there's the most common emotional reaction to that is a profound sense of relief. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, because most people want to come to work every day doing great work for people that appreciate them. And exactly. when you're not, it's scary and frustrating and lonely and you're not sure how to bring it up yourself and so on and so forth. So that's a... Well, and I also think people, owners, business leaders have been conditioned to, okay, I'm just going to make a termination and I never talk to this person again. Yeah. And it's, you know, in our, our world, we're constantly helping people find the right fit. And so, you know, I always tell these business owners, you can do this with humility. You can help them. You know, this this is this doesn't have to be a you're gone tomorrow. Let's work together, help you find the right next path um, while we look for your replacement. I mean, you can do it in a positive way. That's that's right. As a partnership as opposed to an adversarial relationship. Right. Yeah. Uh, great, great observation. 
Let's go back to Core Town a little bit. What does your role in the organization constitute? What's your typical week look like? Oh my gosh. Well, it's, it's probably <laughs> different, especially this year. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, you mentioned I'm the cheerleader. Yeah. Yeah. I, I call myself the chief people officer, the chief culture officer. I mean, really, it starts with me. And, you know, it starts with my attitude, how I show up at work. And, you know, this has been a tough year for everybody. And I think, um, being able to demonstrate resiliency, positivity, but also having respect for the fact that, you know, things are weighing heavy on people's minds. And so, you know, you can't sugarcoat everything, but you can be real and, and still stay positive and inspirational. So I think for me, that is what I work hardest at every single day. Um, but then, you know, it's, it's also just making sure I'm overly communicating you know, if, if we're making a change because of what's going on in the marketplace, it's talking through it, making sure everybody's on on board and on the right path. And then it's making sure we're celebrating successes. Um, of course, big relationships. It's, it's all those things that the visionary, you know, does day in, day out. And I still do a lot of the work, even though I try to work on on the business instead of in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, as a as a lifelong visionary, it's a constant struggle, right? Yes. You uh, you Plus get. I sucked. love it. You know. Yeah, Keeps that's right. Fresh. Let's talk about leadership a little bit. Go back. When, when is the first time in your life you remember looking at someone or something and thinking about the concept of leading or leadership? Oh, for sure, it was my father, and um, it was probably when I was in kindergarten when I can first remember the concept. So he was a policeman, mm -hmm. so he was very active in our community, in our city, but he was also a full-time master plumber. Um, so he worked very hard, and he, also, he worked hard to lead our family. Um, my mom at the time, uh, had some struggles and she didn't drive, believe it or not, never learned to drive. And so my father also kind of led the household. So it was, a, it was an interesting thing. And, you know, he worked all the time. And one day I came home from school and he sat me down and said, I am retiring early from both jobs. Um, I want to spend more time with the family and I'm taking my retirement and buying a resort. And so he did. And so I got to see him take bold moves and, um, and now lead, you know, uh, a staff, a, a business as an entrepreneur. And, you know, I, I used to ask him, how how did you have the confidence to do that? I still I still talk to him today about this. And it stemmed from his time in the Navy. He was a Bozeman at the age of 18 and learned, had to learn really quickly how to lead, you know, people, everybody who was older than you, more diverse than you. And I always go back to that concept. In fact, one of my my most favorite books is It's Your Ship. And I can't think of the author right now, but I had it years ago and I, I it still remains one of my favorites. Mm. Wow, what a great story. All right, we need to give your father a little plug here. What is the resort, please? Well, it was Big K Campground up in 
Aiken, Minnesota. Unfortunately, after several years of trying to make that business work, it didn't work out. He sold it, okay. and he he went back to working for um, the county, actually, as okay. a zoning administrator. He's a... worn many, many, many yeah. business hats. Well, as, as most entrepreneurial leaders have. What a yes. great story. Thank you for sharing all that. What does your experiences watching your father and his journey what impact has that had on your leadership approach or style? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, um, unfortunately, my father is, we're going through a hospice right now. So mm. I'm spending a lot of time with him talking, reminiscing. My mom passed away at age 64. So he's my go-to. Mm. And the one thing he always, the two things he always tells me is, number one, Mary, be yourself. You know, be yourself no matter what. And number two, just remember you can do it. Mm. And I saw him take so many risks, live through some very tumultuous financial situations, and he always came out on top. Not without scars and, you know, some wounds, but he always made it. And, you know, he's he's definitely my rock. Let's um let's talk about the challenge of going through those tumultuous times as a leader and being the leader of a household and trying to balance positivity with your family. And what did you observe as a family member with a father doing oh. all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on throughout my my whole life, you know, but it's it's just remaining positive, remaining true to your core values, remaining diligent and about your path, you know, and it and things will work out in the end. I, I grew up that way and I've just, I've lived that way. Um, this year has been a very difficult year. I actually lost my oldest brother in February and now dealing with my dad at towards oh. the end of the year. So mm. it's, you know, but at the same time, I think it's it's finding the silver linings and for me being able to spend that quality time with him right now and continue on my own leadership and entrepreneurial journey by talking to him about his past and stories. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. Talk about being yourself. What if you were if you were describing a great leader and you were thinking about adjectives or phrases to describe a great leader how would that manifest itself, the, the ability to be true to yourself manifest itself in leadership from your perspective? Well, I think, you know, you need to have convictions. You need to have beliefs, a strong belief system. That's been tested by many leaders this year. And we can talk about that a little later. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's it's staying true to those, those things. But then also, you know, as a leader, and a business owner, you know, being able to put yourself in other people's shoes and being empathetic and inclusive in your thinking and listening. It's being that kind of being humble and being transparent and honest um, about what you're thinking and feeling, mm -hmm. but still remaining mm -hmm. confident, right? So it's it's a it's a hard thing. Can, can you give us a specific example of especially this year with so much unpredictability involved where you've had to apply all those thoughts to be the good leader that you want to be. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So 
you know, the social unrest has been very, very visible in my organization. I have a team of people who are very passionate about what's going on in the world, as am I. But I've also been, I've never been that person to share publicly my beliefs, whether it's political or, you know, religious, whatever, um, not on social media, you know, and when this first happened, my initial reaction was to kind of stay under the radar a little bit until I kind of got pushed a little bit from my team and through my own research to realize that as a leader, you do need to use your voice. Mm-hmm. And so, so we've been doing tough work together. We're reading books together. We're talking. We are getting formal training. But it's that it's that balance. And I, I, I don't think it's ever been tested as much for me personally as it as it was this year. Mm-hmm. But it's a good thing. As a finder of great leaders for lots of diverse organizations, have you developed sort of a checklist of qualities you think cross all industries and all types of companies, just valuable assets for leaders to strive to have? Yeah. Well, I think because we focus on small to mid-size, you know, organizations that are growing pretty rapidly, there are key competencies that are absolutely essential. Um, So number one, of course, it's making sure that there's a, a values and culture fit. And, you know, that seems easy, but it's not, you know, and especially, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people haven't done enough work on defining what those values really look like, how they show up. So we ask a lot of questions about that, you know, just to really understand it, to make sure that um, these leaders, you know, really emulate that, you know, and they're not just saying the words. And then I do think being humble, you know, so in corporate, and I've been there, I've spent 18 years in corporate America, you know, you you have to you really have to sh- show up and you have to promote yourself and you, you kind of have to fight yeah. for your voice and just to show your talents. And I think in a smaller company, especially as a leader, there's this need for being humble and making change through other people and getting them to see it, you know, so it's it's a whole different skill set and attribute so that it's it's a little bit more collaborative so that there's that buy-in. And sometimes, of course, you still need to make the decision, especially when it's not happening. That's right. And then there's, you know, the things like resiliency and just flexibility and accountability, you know, over-communicating, you know, we don't, they don't have newsletters and um, on, you know, internal websites that continuously promote and feed content to people. You got to do it as leaders inside a smaller business. Yeah, great. There's just a lot of different, I would say, competencies that show up um, in a smaller business. Flip side, what are the attributes or characteristics you think submarine a leader's chance of succeeding or getting getting hired for a job they really want because they show up as X, Y, or Z. Yeah, well, if if that's not really in their DNA, right? So yeah. if they're just saying it, which is why, I mean, I'm a be- big believer in assessments and behavioral-based interviewing and being very thorough because 
you got to see it in multiple places. You can't just ask an interview question and get a response and know that an attribute is really there. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of digging and exploring. Without giving away your secret sauce, give us some examples of questions that you think get right to the root of whether somebody's claiming to be something or actually is. Well, we, and I'm fine, we give our secret sauce out all the time because we do a lot of, you know, we just want to help companies and help them figure out how to hire, right? So we follow a a kind of a a top grading method, if you've ever heard of that, Jack Walsh's GE model. Um, That's very extensive. We, We really break it down for small businesses, but it's really starting at the beginning. Understanding, you know, if they went to college or if they didn't go to college or why they picked their degree, and really walking through their um, their career movement from the beginning, because you know you start to understand um, what motivates them, what drives them. Of course, money and prestige and title is always a part of it, but if you walk through it from the beginning, you start to see patterns, you know. And when things didn't work out, it might have been because it wasn't the right fit. And so it's it's really going through that very thoroughly. And so many interviewers, unfortunately, just look at the resume and, you know, it focuses on your most current, you know, roles and responsibilities, which is important, but it's the career evolution is what, what we're looking for. Back to your leadership experience, tell me about a time when you felt stuck as a leader. The first one was, um, I mentioned I had a business partner and I, I bought that business partner out six years ago. And while I had a lot of years of leadership experience, you know, managing big teams, um, that was really the first time that I led people in a business that I owned. And when I bought her out, I felt alone, I re- like, oh my gosh, this is all on me. And I knew I wanted to make some changes, put my personal stamp uh, you know, on the company, but I wanted to preserve what had been working. And it, it was a really difficult journey. Mm-hmm. I needed to really um, hone in on what this, this company was all about. So, so EOS helped you discern what you wanted to preserve and what you wanted to make uniquely yours. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Sometimes it's tough to explain what we do in that um, all I really do is ask the questions that create clarity and alignment. Yeah. And sometimes the art of answering those questions yourself makes the light bulb go on and then you can immediately convert to sharing it with everybody around you and things are great. And sometimes it takes a little longer. So it does. Well, and I realize, I think so many of us, when we start a business, it's, it's what's in our head, right? I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to run it this way. I want to be able to do this. And now all of a sudden you've got a team of people. And so going back through that exercise, you know, and realizing I don't have all the answers. You know, um, this is about a collective leadership team. And so it, it, it was time. Yeah, the uh, myth that when it's clear in your own head, it must be clear to everyone else is just not a good one. And then the other really? value of writing the vision and the plan down is I love to quote Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. 
you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna in as as 2020 has proven you're going to encounter stern challenges on your journey and having a rudder that's clearly defined really helps so absolutely yeah great <laughs> stuff when you see things going on in your own organization as the visionary that you think are holding the company back walk us through the process of helping the team deal with those things how do you how do you manage that <laughs> i'm laughing because um i think especially this year being being more remote and kind of feeling like i need to be more visible i need to be touching more things especially as the owner this year especially but i think i have a tendency to first like just want to take action <laughs> send the email out guys, this is not working. We need to do this. And my leadership team has made me acknowledge that that's not always the best way to do it. Wait for our leadership team meeting, describe, you know, what it is that you're seeing, um, IDS it, and let's solve it together. And so I've had to curb that. I still have to curb that every single day. You know, I, I will see something, a job description posted online that I'm just like, oh, it could be better, you know? And, and so instead of trying to tackle it in the moment, which I think so many business owners do and leaders, um, take a step back, you know, and bring those ideas to the table and discuss as a team. Yeah, great stuff. I'm still working on it. Specific example of when you've had to check yourself and not grab it by the horns and wrestle it to the ground yourself. Can you think of anything? Oh, geez. Um, maybe you can think of too many things. I can think of too many. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, um, yeah, I think, you know, again, um, making decisions. I mean, COVID was a perfect example, right? You know, I was I was reading everything I could get my my hands on in terms of materials to see what best practices were because I wanted to be in the office, I wanted to be in front of clients, but I wanted to keep my people safe. And so it was difficult. And finally I'm like, you know, I don't I don't have to make these decisions by myself. And so um that was a huge uh -huh. moment for me. <laughs> yeah, got it. That is uh, something I've observed happening this year with EOS companies in that one of it's a framework for making decisions, EOS, for getting a team together, walking through your options, identifying the root cause of an issue, and agreeing to move forward in some way. And so one of the things I've observed is with that framework, my clients have responded to COVID as though it's just another issue. Whereas I think much of the rest of the world has been paralyzed for a much longer time because they're not used to making decisions with risk and uncertainty so omnipresent. And so has that that's, been your yeah. uh, experience as well? Yeah, that's fascinating, actually. Um, and I think you're, you're spot on because, you know, I'm also the, the president of the Minnesota chapter of NAVO. So mm -hmm. I work with a lot of corporations and um i do think it was harder for them to adapt you know and i think and i look around at our clients i mean pretty much in the next week or so they had it figured out 
And um, I think being a, like you said, being able to tackle that as a group, make the decision and go with it. And then also know that it doesn't have to be that way forever. Yeah, I think the more convinced you are you control your life, the harder this has been for you. And I think yeah. entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial leadership team members as a general rule have are used to being accountable for things they don't control. Yes. And so this is just yet another thing we don't control that we've got to find some way to be accountable for results within a, an environment we've never dealt with before, be it right. social unrest or COVID or any of the other crazy things that have happened in, right. in 2020. So really interesting. You know, you've mentioned optimism and positivity several times in this conversation, and I'd love to spend a little time exploring that more deeply. Why is that important, and how do you temper um, honesty and and the brutal facts of reality and optimism as a leader? How do you how do you deliver the truth but optimistically? <laughs> It is it's probably one of the hardest things to do, right? And but I think I think through my personal life experiences and understanding the power of positivity and how it can change your your entire mindset, I believe it is one of the most important things as a as a leader to be able to demonstrate. But like I said, I also realized that not everybody can pull themselves up from their bootstraps, right? And just, and deal with really tough things. And so, so I think there's a way to, um, to, to continue to send the message and to be an example as a leader, to demonstrate, you know, resiliency, and then to help people, depending on where they're at in their journey, make small steps. Mm. Something that, you know, you can't, you can't compare, um, you know, these things, what's, what's harder, what's more important, because everybody's in a different situation, right? And they react differently to stress and anxiety and so in situations. So I think it's just, it's really demonstrating leadership, but also meeting the employees where they're at and just finding those small wins to turn things around. And when your natural emotion isn't positive about something that you're encountering, what's the process you walk through to find the silver lining and, and prepare yourself for working through that and helping your team work through that? How do you convert your own mindset to positivity? Well, a few ways. I think number one is to just take a deep breath and put in, you know, the 24 hour rule, you know, just don't act, don't respond right away. So think through it because sometimes it's worse in your head and you wake up the next morning and you're like, ah, it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the first thing. And then I think it's, it is, you know, reaching out to um, colleagues, your CEO roundtable, you know, your, your implementer, your, your friends, your family, and, and talking it through, um, and just, you know, maybe getting some different perspectives, especially if it's about your team, you know, and you want that kind of outside, um, you know, opinion or viewpoint. And then it's, um, you know, it's, it's whatever I have to do to get my head in the, in the game. Right. So, it's, it might be, I gotta, I gotta take some time for myself, go on a walk, 
you know, um, take a day and eat really healthy. Um, I've got three libraries, you know, one at work and two at home. And so it's picking those books and, you know, and the ones that I need to kind of shift my thinking. Um, it's reading podcasts, you know, even going on LinkedIn. You know, I find that a lot of times if I'm I'm just kind of having a down day, I'll hop on LinkedIn and there's so many inspirational stories and it just it kind of just gets you in the right mindset. I want to talk about you've mentioned the power of peer groups a couple of times as well, NABO in particular. What do you get from involvement with CEO peers, women business owners, and what do you think other leaders get by surrounding themselves and meeting regularly with peers? I think number one is, you know, you, you start to think, am I crazy? Am I the only person that feels and thinks this way? And, you know, and I mean, we can we can have the most success in the world, but we all still have self-doubt at times, right? And it's this roller coaster of emotions that are going on in your head. And I think I think being able to talk to other people who are in the same boat just makes you feel less crazy. I mean, number one. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I think, you know, everybody, like my CEO roundtable, it doesn't matter who gets picked for the topic, we can all relate, you know? So it's like, it's just, it's just surrounding yourself with people who are going through what you're going through. Yeah, and this is a recurring theme in almost everything we've talked about. It's you don't have to go through this alone. If I right. were summarizing what you were sharing, you're talking about relying more on your fellow leadership team members and not feeling like it's your job to figure everything out and relying yes. on others and realizing that that almost everybody in a leadership role is going through similar challenges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yes. great takeaway. 100%. Great takeaway. Let's talk about mistakes companies make when they're looking for a great leader. What are the most common things you think companies need to keep top of mind when they're trying to take their organization to the next level and want to upgrade their leadership yeah. team? The number one thing I, I see happen, and it just happened again yesterday, <laughs> is that um, when they start out defining the type of leader that they want, they're very thorough, they're very articulate, right? We capture pages and pages and pages of information and data on exactly who they're looking for, from a values, from a personality perspective, from a proven skills and experience. Um, you know, it's, it's very thorough. And then they meet somebody and they just, a lot of times it's somebody that's like them, right? So they immediately connect with them and they've got this rapport and they're just like, oh, you're my, you're my person. And in reality, they probably started looking for someone very different from them. And that is the hardest thing to get leaders and business owners to, to realize, mm. you know, and it happens over and over and over again. And so our job is always, wait a minute, remember when you said this, remember when you said this, you know, and going through all the criteria, what changed? Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you can't, you can't, it doesn't matter. And they make, the decision 
and it may or may not work out. I don't want to draw too much of an analogy from what you just shared to interpersonal relationships between potential partners, but it sounds very similar that you have a mind in your head of the person you want to marry. Yes. Then you meet somebody and there are sparks and off we go. And those stories don't end well either. That's what I hear you sharing. Also, it might change throughout the course of the journey, right? That's right. What what might be the perfect marriage um, complementary skill sets in the beginning may be very different, you know, two, three, four years into it. What what are some techniques a company or an individual leader might use to avoid falling into that trap? When when you're working with your business partners to help them avoid that, what are the things you're telling them to think about or, or recheck that, yeah. that prevents them? I from- always say start with the end in mind, right? Um, and it's it's a simple concept, but when you think about it in terms of hiring, a leader, start with the end of mind. What will success look like 30, 60, 90, one year into the job and put that down on paper. Now, what is it going to take in order for this person to get there and be very clear about what those expectations look like? And then, okay, how are they going to do that? You know, what types of hats, what types of roles were they in? Um, that will allow them to be able to accomplish what you've got on here. And then it's all the other information, right? And you you capture it all so that you can go back to that and say, did this person hit 80% of what we feel is going to lead to success? You know, and it's it's really pretty simple if you follow the process. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And then same question about the candidates that you're working with, the leaders looking for the place they're going to fit best and be most successful. What are the common mistakes you see and what advice do you give them to help avoid those mistakes? I mean, we, you know, we are so transparent with our candidates because we tell them the good, the bad and the ugly because you know, no company is perfect and they have to understand what they're walking into, right? And at the same time, we want to make sure it's the right fit for them. And, you know, if, if they're just chasing the change or the money or the opportunity to work in a small company versus a big one and the rest of it's not there, they're not going to be happy. You know, the owner's not going to be happy or the leader it's not going to work out. And so we try to really talk through that in the beginning and and let them know there's plenty of opportunities out there. Let's find the one that's the best fit. In my opinion, it's, I have people contacting me looking for opportunity in entrepreneurial companies as well. And often they are big company people by nature, sort of Mm -hmm. similar to your journey. And one of the questions I ask regularly is, please articulate exactly what would be a perfect fit for you. What kind of core values? What kind of industry? What kind of enterprise? What what role? Et cetera. And I find that candidates searching for their next great challenge tend to prefer casting a very broad net. And it's very difficult to get them to be specific enough that you can assess fit. And so what are are the ways you get people to zero in on what's going to be the environment where they'll be the most successful? You know what, that that you you hit the nail on the head. That happens more now than ever. 
And um, we're just very clear with them about, you know, and we help them, you know, we talk through the different types of organizations, what it means to be in a product-based company versus a service-based company in a known brand versus a not known brand. And, you know, I mean, we talk through all those things and we really kind of force them to, to think about that, put it down on paper, because you're absolutely right. Moving from big company to small company is a big change in itself. So let's yeah. let's yeah. use your background, your experience, your familiarity with the industry as a stepping stone to get into a smaller entrepreneurial environment first before we start looking outside, you know? Yeah. But be prepared for the whole feel of the experience to be completely different. A hundred percent. So yeah, really good stuff. Mary, this has been a joy. I'm going to wrap up by asking one last question. There's a lot of people listening today that, um, you know, have had a tough year and, um, are, are waking up every day, having to muster their best selves as leaders. And so for those people, what advice would you give, uh, to help us be our best? as leaders. You know, again, we talked about it earlier. You're not in this alone. Reach out. People genuinely want to help other people. I mean, if if I have people contact me all the time who just want to, you know, brainstorm and I love that. Now it it does take time and sometimes we have to schedule it out a little bit, but um, you know, reach out to people and and ask for help. And maybe it's just, you know, having a cocktail, virtual happy hour. I did some of my best work with two women who were struggling and we came up with a new concept over wine in a virtual happy hour one night and she implemented (laughs) it within a week. (laughs) So, you know, it's just lean on, lean on each other. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure to interview Mary Nutting, CEO of Core Talent. Mary, where can, uh, the listener go to learn more about your organization and about you? Yes. Well, we are, um, we're kind of everywhere right now. So (laughs) we show up a lot on LinkedIn. um, So you'll see us out there, but it's www.coretalent.com, C-O-R-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. I would say follow our LinkedIn um, uh, group because you will, especially if you're job seeking, you will get access to all of our open positions. We highlight a lot of our clients. And we also provide a lot of kind of free tools, resources, tips, that type of thing. So, um, so reach out to any one of our team members. And I, and full disclosure, I'm not completely unbiased. Mary and her organization have helped EOS Worldwide find uh, our current marketing leader, and it was a great experience and great fun working with you and your team. So thanks very much. Thank you. That was a wonderful um, opportunity to partner with you. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much for listening to the Lead Now podcast. To learn more about the podcast and share it with your friends, please visit eosworldwide.com forward slash podcast. Podcast.